HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, we're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app. Hello, welcome to Japanese. I'm Mihotsaki Kotema, food writer and director of the New York Japanese Culinary Academy, which promotes a deep understanding of Japanese cuisine in America. We are broadcasting live from Brooklyn, New York. This show is all about Japanese food and food culture. We see sushi at every day in the supermarket, but what is beyond sushi? We hear dashi wamen izakaya, but what exactly are they? Japanese food is still a mystery for many people, and I try to demystify it in this program with my cool guests. My guest today is Makiko Harada, who, are, who is a salt specialist and the owner of Glam Salt, a salt shop based in Hudson Valley, New York. She opened Glam Salt in 2012 and now has numerous famous chef clients who adore her products, including those at Sushi Nakazawa, Sushi Yasuda, and Hatsuhana. Makiko is known for extremely high-quality unique products, and the awe and respect for salt in Japanese culture underlie her business approach. So today we'll discuss how Makiko got into salt, the importance of salt in Japanese culture, why salt can taste so diversely differently uh, depending on origin, and how her top chef clients choose a specific type of salt, and much, much more. But before we start, Japanese is available on the Heritage Radio Network website, as well as on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify as a podcast. So please go to iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, whichever you listen to, and subscribe to Japanese. And please write to Evie, we really appreciate your feedback. Now, let's start a conversation with Makiko Harada. Hello, Makiko. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Akosa. Thank you very much for inviting me uh, to your show today. Right, and uh, also congratulations on the 10th anniversary of Glam Salt. Thank you very much. It's, it's, <laughs> uh, 10 years. <laughs> right, amazing. All right, so first of all, to get to know you, where are you from and what did you eat when you grew up? Yes, yeah, so um, I was born in Tokyo and I'm turning uh, 48 this year. <laughs> time, time flies. And um, a, um, 
I, when I was growing up,、uh, my father was working for a Japanese trading company in Tokyo, and、um, he worked overseas、uh, a lot. And、um, while he was working there,、um, he, uh, he oftentimes we had some、uh, samples of foods from different parts of the world, which were still very new to Japan. So I, was, I grew up、uh, surrounded by eating just all kinds of food that、uh, my father got from his company、uh, samples or.、Um, uh, My mom is also a great cook. So I, I grew up in an environment where the food was very,、uh, very important part of my life.、Mm, right. Sounds like、uh, you grew up with good food for thought as well. Like culturally, you are very open already. Yes. When you're, right. Okay. And,、uh, and I heard that you grew up in a very unique family. So could you tell us about it? Is in terms of food,、um, especially my, my mom's side,、uh, there are a lot of,、uh, we are a very artistic family. And also, in addition to that, in terms of food business,、uh, we have、uh, some,、uh, several chefs、uh, in Japan and、uh, also owning some food business. And one of them was that my、uh, grandfather used to own a, a small rainbow trout farm、um, in the northern part of Japan a、um, long time ago.、Uh, Before the war uh, broke uh, in Japan. And he was selling a very high quality rainbow trust to、uh, very, very high end restaurants、uh, in Tokyo and also、um, Emperor's family back then. So、uh, the food and、um, also my, my dad's side was also.、Uh, My aunts are owning a small cafe where they are living. So, food,、uh, in terms of food, once again, it was been just naturally、uh, has been、um, part of my life、uh, and it's still, still with me.、Mm, right. That's very impressive. And especially that part,、uh, your grandfather supplied trout to the emperor, <laughs> which、uh, is just amazing. Yes. So, right. That's the best of the best. Okay.、Uh, so, when and why did you come to New York?、Um, so, I came to this country about、uh, well, 1989, which is,、uh, I think it's, it's been 30, uh, uh, 33 years ago this year. And、um, I went to a boarding school in Massachusetts,、uh, and I was a student. At the Northfield Mount Harbor for four years. And so I spent my very beginning of my time here in Massachusetts, in New England, for four years, and then、uh, went to a college in California, and then came to a graduate school in New York City. And I'm so living in the New York State has been the longest、uh, state that I've been living here in this country. Right. Well, very impressive. You covered the whole continent. <laughs> Not the whole, but it's a good part of、right. this country, yeah. Right. Okay. And、uh, you're also a New York State licensed and a board certified art therapist and worked as a therapist for 15 years before you became、um, the Gram Salt owner. So, what type of therapy did you offer to whom? So,、uh, first of all, I'm still in turn. I'm still in touch with our therapy business. And、uh, it did, I was in a hibernation mode, but I did、uh, come back recently in the recent years. So I, I am still part of the art therapy community. And、uh, now I'm on the board、uh, for the、um, American Art Therapy Association's、uh, New York chapter. And I'm on the、uh, executive board. And I'm the first Japanese to be on the board ever. So, which is very exciting. And for art therapy,、um, I began my clinical practice at 
the housing works, uh, which uh, have uh, mental health services for people uh, with HIV AIDS, with a background of uh, mental ill, chemical addicted. So uh, I was, uh, I worked with them for a while. And uh, after that, uh, I, was, I became a faculty uh, at the new school. Uh, for a while, and now I'm doing offering lectures on um, social justice issues, which is uh, especially during the pandemic, uh, uh, the sudden raise, rise of uh, attacks against Asians, and uh, I've been giving lectures about what we can do, about what art can offer to mitigate the situation. Mm, right. Well, it's very impressive. Your energy is very, very impressive. And also your multi-talent. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, and your contribution, you know, the people you offered therapy, I was very impressed. You're such a giver. So, yeah, congratulations on that side, too. Oh, thank you. So now let's talk about SALT. So how did you get into SALT? Well, it's uh, it's actually a mystery, and uh, I I think I I came into this business almost by an accident. And um, about ten years ago, um, I was going through a, a divorce, and uh, one day I happened to purchase this uh, lemon flake salt from Cypress, and when I tasted, uh, I felt this is it, and I felt that back then I felt that I saw myself in that salt and um, meaning that, you know, in the past, salt has a very uh, long uh, history to, to history to human, human history because everywhere you go, salt was a part of their, of the people's tradition and cultures. And, you know, the word salt, the, the word salary comes from salt in Latin and Roman soldiers are paid with salt back then as their salary. So that's why the word salary uh, has a very strong connection uh, with uh, ancient traditions of importance of salt back then. And I guess I, I saw myself in the salt that, you know, salt used to be spotlighted it more in the past than now. And um, I felt that my spotlight was gone. And I, I guess I wanted to put my spotlight back on and somehow that feeling synchronized uh, me encountering that salt. And so the name glam salt uh, means uh, the glam comes from the glamorous. And so this putting the salt back on the glamorous light and uh, that's the meaning of my, my business. And um, yes, so that's, that's how my business began. Mm, wow. So revelation, something happened. <laughs> yes. Uh, right, uh, star line, stars align. So, um, okay. And then, um, so according to your interview article in Edible Manhattan, which I found a very great, great article, um, yes. you see salt as a form of art, a form of creative expression. So what do you mean by that? Well, um, salt... Is first of all, it's, of course, it's edible, but salt can be in um, can be very artistic because there's some salts that are just visually beautiful, and there are some salts, uh, for example, from uh, pearl salt from Djibouti. Uh, it's a small country in East Africa, and uh, their salts are literally pearl shaped. And so if you look at them in a jar, I mean, they look like a real pearls and it's just very dreamy and um, 
just gives you a lot of imagination and it's just visually stunning and beautiful. So to me, like souls are like gems, like gems. And I kind of see myself as this kind of like a gem trader in Rajasthan, India, where they do a lot of uh, extensive uh, jewelry making. And I'm I'm this gem trader and the chefs are my, my artists and you know, the chefs buy salts, you know, palettes, the paints called the salts to just create their own artwork, which are actually the, you know, the, the dishes that they, they create. And so it's salt. Um, and also um, there's some salts like a Japanese uh, plum sauce, and they come in the just gorgeous hue of pink and it's a naturally colored, nothing added than just a flavored with uh, uh, local plum vinegar and which makes that, that salt, the sea salt, just, just gorgeous pink. And it just, to me, it's just art, just beautiful. It's, it's, it's fashion. It's, it's, it's more, I mean, it's more than an edible element, but it's just, uh, it's uh, full of imagination. It's just full of wonder. Mm. Well, actually looking at uh, your webpage, uh, that's beautiful. It's, it's, it's not just try to make, look, different like a gem but they're really exactly looking like a gem you don't yes. you're not told it's sold it doesn't look like it so yes. yeah it's a yeah it's a jewelry shop on, online yes. rather than salt shop so yes. amazing okay and uh, so salt is culturally and spiritually very important in japan so could you tell us how important salt is in japan yes so um there are many um, shrines, uh, Shinto shrines throughout Japan. And uh, when you go there, oftentimes uh, like a small bag of salt are being sold at the temples and to, to use for purification and for cleansing. So uh, salt has a very like a spiritual meaning uh, to the Japanese. And also um, here in New York City, um, when you go to traditional um Japanese restaurants, and you oftentimes see uh, this uh, this uh, uh, element called morishio, meaning that you see a small mild. It kind of looks like a pyramid. It's it's a, a, a triangle shaped uh, salt on a small plate outside of the restaurants, and it's it's our tradition to just put that salt outside of the restaurant uh, to invite customers and word of uh, spirits. So uh, for the Japanese, um, it's uh, salt is not, it's not just a, for, it's, it's not a, it's not only an um, edible entity, but it also has like spiritual component uh, to it. Mm, right. And also traditionally in Japan, if you go to funeral, uh, you're given a pack of salt. Just yes. think yourself with it before you enter your house. Yes. And it's called the Kiyomishio. So, yes. Yeah. It's also, sorry, so uh, to add that, the small wrestlers, they also spring some salt to purify the, the, the mount that they're on. Right. Yeah, people think it's rice because it's Japanese sports, but that's not the rice, that's salt, right? Yes. That's more so that's sprinkled yes. all over uh, yes. their grounds. So anyway, so uh, we'll take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll discuss how top chefs sell their own salt. So please stay with us. Hi, I'm Kiki Luya, the Executive Director of Restaurant Workers Community Foundation. And I'm the host of a new podcast called Shift Work. In the last six months, some 6,500 restaurants have closed their doors, and there's never been a time when restaurants and their 12 million workers have been more vulnerable. It's time to transform hospitality. With Shift Work, a podcast made in collaboration with RWCF and HRN, 
we're shifting the conversation about how the restaurant food you love makes its way to the table. What does it really take to make that experience happen? And who are the countless workers responsible? We're talking porters, cleaning crew, prep cooks, servers, baristas, hosts, bartenders, barbacks, managers, sommeliers, and chefs. I'll also introduce you to organizations that are leading industry transformation. We'll discuss mental health, fair pay, racial justice, and how hospitality can change for the better. We need it. Listen to and follow Shift Work on your favorite podcast app. Welcome back. You're listening to Japanese. I'm your host, Aki Katema, and my guest today is Makiko Harada, who is a salt specialist and the owner of Gram Salt, a salt shop based in Hudson Valley, New York. So what is the concept of Gram Salt, and why did you open it? So the, the basic concept of Gram Salt was, is that I, wanted to, I want to bring back this uh, tradition of uh, more active usage of different kinds of salt into our lives. And that's why I named my business Glam Salt and the glam refers to glamorous. So I wanted to make the salts uh, in a spotlight again and to make them really glamorous and that that to sh- let the world know that, you know, salts really need it, uh, like just like in the past. Mm, right. Yeah. So it's not just selling salt, but it's so much packed in your business. So um, unfolded um, from the next few minutes. But uh, so before we get into your products, let's talk about the basics of salt. So I hear different names of salt, such as rock salt, sea salt, and table salt. And what are the major categories of those salt? So basically, um, to me, there are three types of salt, which is the rock salt, and which is the most common salt um, around. And second one is a sea salt. And the third one is a, is a lake salt. And lake salt is more, um, uh, it's less common, but it's one of the categories. And to me, I have another category of salt, which is um, the easy way to put it is a good salt and not so good salt. And when I mean the good salt, I refer to the salt uh, that made with care. And the other salt is salt that are really industrial made and super processed in the factory and all the mineral components are stripped out. And that's why that particular, the salts that are made, uh, that are industrial made, is really salty. And so for me, um, I, I carry salts that are made with care. Uh, that um, and when I taste them, I can I can taste that these salts are made with care uh, by by the makers. Mm, right, and uh, so basically, so salt is made mainly uh, out of sodium chloride, but also includes minerals like such as calcium, potassium, and magnesium. So, how diff- the different levels of these minerals affect the taste, flavor, and texture of salt? Well, first of all, it's in. First of all, the most important thing that it really affects uh, our well-being. The better salt you use, is better for the salt. I mean, for the for for our health. And so, the um, the to me, the most uh, balanced salt is is the one that you can taste the saltiness, a little bit of sweetness, and a little bit of sourness, and a little uh, of sourness uh, in general. And, but it's very hard to find that the really a balanced, uh, minimally balanced salt. And when you use a really uh, great balanced salt, it's, it becomes, it's like magic. And when you use that type of salt on your dish, it just really transforms how 
how the entire dish would taste like. Mm, right. And we, we are taught when we grew up,、uh, we are always taught that salt is salty, but I, I really sometimes sense sweetness or bitterness or some umami in salt. So there's so many. And、uh, I think it's just hard to say, like, more calcium tastes like this or that. <laughs> it's just、mm-hmm. really the terroir, right? From、yes. the places from.、Yes. And、uh, well, speaking of location, you sell salt from different parts of the world, including、yes. in Japan, Utah, in the US, India, Iran, Mongolia, Bolivia, you name it. And how different are they? And why did you choose salt from these different regions? Well, to me,、um, I, I try to pick diverse salt as possible from different parts of the world to, sh- to share the beauty and diversity of the salts. And, but the most important thing for me is that the, to- the, sal-、uh, the salt tastes, tastes great. And that's, that's my、uh, criteria to choose,、uh, choose salts. And also,、um, I also tend to look for、uh, different texture or uh, a usual uh, visually different、uh, salts. And for example, the latest、uh, salt I have is Egyptian desert salt, and they, they look like、uh, glass fiber、uh, visually. And、um, chefs、uh, just like that texture. And also, tastes, it, it tastes, very,、uh, tastes very plain and very,、uh, it's very, has a very subtle、uh, flavor to it.、Mm, right. Okay.、Um, and then, how many types of salt、um, do you carry in a Uh, what types?、Um, I carry,、um, I think, carry, I, currently, I think I carry about 20 salts or so. And I, I do, I carry the plain sea salt as, as well as flavored salts, such as、uh, the green tea flavor, uh, black truffle, uh, just the、uh, salt that are、uh, flavored、uh, with just different kinds of tastes. Right, and I see、uh, you have Japanese flavors like ume and plum, and yuzu,、yes. matcha, seaweed, and wasabi. So they look really good.、Um, yes. so, but the, these are made just basically high quality yuzu peel, for example, or matcha. They blend it with finely、uh, ground salt. Is that how it's made? Yes, and、um, most of my products are not、um, additives free. And many of the salts in the market, they're added,、uh, they have some sort of preservative. So, there, for example, with a, a plum sea salt,、um, it's、um, sometimes some of the plum salt do taste like chemical. And、mm-hmm. um, so, because they're, they're colored with artificial、uh, pink color. And so, I, I,、um, I don't carry salts that、uh, really super、uh, artificially added because, first of all, it just It just doesn't taste good, then the end note just、uh, the end note just leaves you with just a chemically、uh, taste, and I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't carry them.、Mm, right. Okay. So, and well, the salt is a preservative by itself, so you don't have to worry about shelf life, right? When you buy those. Well, however,、um, there are some sea salts in the market that they add some、um, anti flaking agents to last longer and also that they don't, the, the salt, they don't get stuck together. And, but、uh, I, don't, I don't carry salts that come with、uh, these things either.、Mm, right. So you just shake it and then they、uh, yes. break down again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Okay. And、uh, so, and you sell salt、um, from Different parts of the world. So,、um, are they very different? 
So depending on like, you know, like a Utah salt from Iowan or, you know, like you said, the Cypress uh, lemon flavor, Cypress salt that you got fascinated by. So, uh, yes, in, in general, um, the rock salts tend to be, uh, how do I say? Well, first of all, the sea salts uh, tend to be more, uh, in terms of flavor, taste like more multidimensional, like as you, uh, you taste the bitterness, uh, sourness, sweetness, and uh, saltiness. And but rocks, rocks, rock salts tend to be like a more like a concentrated on like a uh, distinctive taste, such as like a, 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 a little sour and little um, a little salty and little sweet. Hmm. But that doesn't mean that that doesn't mean that sea salt is better than rock salt. It's just a different kinds of it's it's like a different colors. It's like so we are talking about the differences, the color palette differences between the paint of red versus paint of uh, indigo blue. So that that's the that's I mean that's the difference. Hmm. Well, I'm just curious that you know the blue color comes from uh, certain minerals. Yes. Yeah, so there's this uh, Persian salt, and because of the uh, some the magical nature it's kind of has this purple blue uh color to it and it's just that the the minerals that has this uh purple purplish uh, bluish color mm, right so it's it really it's not uh, one of those calcium potassium magnesium but something different more like yes. the micro minerals yes. interesting right okay and uh, by the way i really think uh you know, people tend to dislike bitterness, but when you have the right bitterness in salt, that's a flavor enhancer. I personally got fascinated by some bitterness in salt. So, and you said it's uh, mostly from uh, the sea salt? Um, I think it really depends. And I think the more different kinds of minerals you taste, it's it's more, it's, it's, it's better for your health because you're getting more minerals from, from, from the salt. Mm, right. Okay. And uh, so um, I mentioned briefly in the introduction that your clients include many prominent famous chefs. So uh, who are your clients, including those chefs? If you can name the names, that'd be great, even better. Um, Many of the restaurants, uh, right now I have uh, quite a few sushi restaurants in New York City. And uh, as you mentioned before, uh, uh, Hatsuhana, uh, Nakazawa, um, and uh, a new restaurant, uh, Ika in Tribeca, um, and also uh, Sushi Yoshino uh, in Bowery Street, and also Japanese butcher, Japan Premium Beef. Uh, they sell uh, different kinds of my sauce there. And also one of my oldest clients is Ed's Lobster Bar in Soho. And um, also other uh, Sushi by Boo franchise. And where um, they have locations in Chicago, uh, around Miami. So they're, they're my clients. And also they're uh, smaller sushi places, wonderful sushi places like Ume uh, in Williams Bar in Brooklyn and uh, uh, Sushi by Korami uh, in House Kitchen um, and many other wonderful restaurants. Mm, right. So um, obviously it sounds like salt is very uh, important component for chefs. So um, one of the most popular products among the chefs and uh, why? Meaning, 
um, how do you choose their salt? Um, do you have any specific preference of the chef or? In, in terms of preferences, it's really, really depends on the chef. And uh, it's just because their taste palettes are really, <laughs> each chef has a different taste taste buds and they're just that uh, taste palettes are really different. But, but, but I do notice um, that um, they know, even though they don't specialize in salt, but when they taste it, they know the, the, the high quality of the salt that I'm carrying. They, they can taste it and they can really appreciate it, even though they're, they don't specialize in salt, but they can, they can taste it, which, mm. which is an amazing part. And whether it's a Japanese chef, whether it's an American chef, whether it's a Chinese chef, it really doesn't matter. If it's, it's a good salt, then they can tell. Mm, right. So how do they use it? And there's so many sushi chefs, right? So what's the most typical way for them to use your salt? They use them, I believe they use them on a fini- as a finishing salt. So they put them, uh, they spring some sea salt, for example, on a, let's say on top of a squid or octopus or tuna. And uh, I, I, I tried it once and it's just, uh, it's wonderful. It's really, it just, uh, it keeps you want it keeps you make, want you eat more sushi because it just makes the sushi, in my opinion, more and more flavorful and more tasty. And um, the salt really brings out the best of uh, of of the uh, some ingredients. Mm, right. Well, we tend to associate sushi with soy sauce, but a lot of items are only flavored with great salt. So yeah, that really makes sense. Um, okay, and uh, is there any spe- specific uh, salt that's most popular among chefs? Um, it's it's really depends, and of course uh, they use both uh, sea salt as well as uh, flavors flavors uh, salts. So it's both, and it it's really depends on depends on the restaurant, depends on the chef. Mm, right. Yeah. One time I you know I tried a British modern salt, which is a big crystal. And uh, very sharp, very um, impactful, and I loved it. But when I tasted with Japanese uh, sashimi, that was way too overwhelming. So, mm. yeah, it really makes sense that, you know, things like you carry looks more subtle in flavor. Mm. Right, that's probably, you're so popular yeah. among all those chefs. Okay, so, um, so how do you find your salt? I don't think it's easy, right? Because you're really, you know, focused on quality and the diversity. Um, I, I'm always on the search for great sauce, so I, I do a lot of research. But um, I, you know, there are reviews out there and saying how wonderful the salt is. But I, you know, I'm not gonna make any final decision until I actually taste it uh, with my with my tongue. And I make a decision <laughs> whether I'm gonna carry that salt or not. And um, it's it's um, you know the descriptions of the salts are very important, but you know you have to you have to try it, you have to taste it first. Uh, mm. Yeah. But have you ever been to uh, the area of production? Like, have you been to uh, like Iran or Mongolia <laughs> or somewhere exotic? Uh, no, yeah, but I I love to I, I love to visit places, uh, especially uh, some of unique places in the world to uh, just uh, discover more uh, unique and unusual salts. Mm, right, 
I mean, I would imagine they're like energy spot <laughs> because you got the, the first energy coming out of Cypress salt. So, yes. yeah, maybe like a power spot. Yes. <laughs> like, okay. Um, so who else other than chefs buy your salt? Um, on the internet, it's just, a, just different kinds of people. And uh, I am assuming that they, like, they do a lot of cooking at home. And so I don't know they're like a specific uh, like a demographic and their backgrounds, but uh, but um, I'm pretty sure that they they do a lot of cooking and um, they uh, my customers uh, I'm, I'm sure they know the importance of salts. Mm, right. Okay. And uh, so, what type of salt do you recommend for salt beginners like myself? Uh for people beginning with uh, just, I recommend a hundred percent sun-dried sea salt, uh, especially from Japan, because that uh, it's uh, first of all, um, I want to mention, I want to share with you that um, even though the label says it's a sun-dried sea salt, but uh, it's not requires to tell you um, how long the salts are put un- were put under the sun. And many of the, what happens is that many of the sun-dried sea salt, they put the sea salt outside for a little bit and they put them back in the, um, in the uh, factory or warehouse and they dry them with an with a, uh, industrial dryer. So even though, so not all the uh, sun-dried sea salt are the same. So I would recommend to try with 100% uh, sea salt to begin with because um, 100% sun-dried sea salt means that it's packed with minerals and it has like the potent maximum minerals as much as possible. That's why um, you can taste uh, all ranges of flavors, you know, like the bitterness, uh, saltiness, sweetness, sourness in one salt. Hmm, that's interesting. So well, what you're saying is if you don't fully dry it and take it back in the factory floor, they kind of mill it down or how, how do they use the full minerals compared well, to? So what, what I mean, industrial made uh, sea salts, what happened is that they take, because of the industrial processing, uh, many of the minerals are stripped, uh, are stripped away from the salt. So that's why you end up tasting the you, that's why you ended up tasting the saltiness part of the salt, but the naturally you know hundred percent sun dried sea salt you you taste a well balanced uh, it has a well balanced taste. Mm, right, and can you see it by the look? The less refined, the better, kind of. Uh, you you really have to taste it first. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, if yeah. it's an uneven, probably it's less processed. Like I right. trying and to that, cheat. I mean, yeah. And the other thing is that don't ever get deceived by how the packaging. I mean, packaging is very important, but the most important thing is the the inside inside, mm. like the, the actual taste of the salt. Right. Well, then you said you know Japanese sea salt, right? Like hundred percent dried, sun dried outside. So. Do you have any uh, specific reason that you said in Japanese? Um, yes, it's, yeah. it's the one I I, um, I carry. Uh, it's from um, Tosa. Right. Uh, it's a Kochi. Uh, it's for the um, warmer part of Japan, uh, Kochi Prefecture. And uh, that particular maker uh, only does uh, 100% sea dry, uh, sun-dried uh, sea salt. And it takes about like uh, seven to eight weeks to make it. So it's, it's, it's the sea salt that's really made with care and love. 
Wow. Amazing. Okay, so Kochi is in, located in Shikoku Island, and it's known for beautiful nature. Yes. So that makes sense. Right. Okay. And uh, by the way, how many sauces do you have in your cabinet? <laughs> in my cabinet? cabinet? Um, you know, I use um, just the leftover samples and mix them <laughs> together. <laughs> this is the vessel, and I, you know, I use, um, often use for my app. Uh, for for the toothpaste sometimes, hmm. uh, yeah, to brush my teeth, and so um, I, so it's it's whatever I have left, I use them um, uh, at home at my mm. in my kitchen. Right. Oh, man, maybe your teeth are fortified with great minerals because <laughs> of the salt. <laughs> oh, wow. So, but do you have any uh, kind of a strategy for this kind of dish? You use this one, this kind of dish, you just, you know, maybe sea salt versus log salt or? Um, I find, first of all, for the rock salt, um, it's rock salt goes well with meat dishes. Hmm. And, uh, but I don't. I'm not sure about the rock salt using for the seafood. But you know, once again, it's really up to the individual to whether it works or not. So you really have to experiment that. But for sea salt, um, I think it's good for both sea salt, seafood, and meat. Hmm. And also, um, if it's labeled of finishing salt, you don't want to use for for the regular cooking. Because it's just so delicate and it just really just uh, loses the beauty of the salt if you use uh, finishing salt for the, uh, for just, the, you know, for, for soup or something. Um, it just, it, it, it changes uh, the components of the flavor. Right. Okay. So let me just, I have a bunch of different kinds of salt, including sea salt and rock salt. And why is that rock salt more suited suitable for meat than fish you know that's a question and i think as with the, like a mineral component and um it's i you know it must have me like a chem the chemistry of it and um i just uh, i i tried when i you know try some experiments with different kinds of salts or some certain dishes and it just uh for some reason, I, I I don't know why, but I'm just thinking it has to be because of the, the amino components of it uh, that just makes it more suitable for certain dishes. Mm, interesting. Well, I have to experiment. <laughs> Maybe yeah. for the next, over the course of seven days, I'll just try this and that. So, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and uh, you also sell amulets made of salt. So could you tell us how your amulets can protect us? Yes, so first of all, it's a glam sauce exclusive amulet for you. <laughs> uh, it's very special. Um, it comes in a pouch and uh, it's especially blessed by a woman. Uh, one of them is, is especially uh, blessed by this Peruvian shaman. It's a woman shaman. And the other one is blessed by a renowned psychic uh, called Fiona in Woodstock uh, in New York. And um, traditionally, um, salt has been, it's not just, not just in Japan, but, uh, in, you know, in, uh, medieval times in, um, just different parts of the world, uh, salt has been used as, as, uh, protection, as, as protection against, uh, evil spirits. And, um, in, 
alchemy uh, in medieval times, uh, salt was an important uh, component of uh, uh, alchemy, uh, creating something uh, magical. And so, um, and also in Okinawa, uh, in Japan, uh, they traditionally carry salt as amulet for uh, for safety driving and other purposes. So um, the salt has been, uh, like I say, it's not just for the Japanese only, but just uh, throughout the cultures, uh, salt has been, uh, have this uh, spiritual component uh, uh, to it. Mm, right. Well, we came out of the seawater, so... Is whether or not it's rock salt or sea salt, I uh, came from the same same place, right? So that makes sense. We just uh, kind of fortify our an inherent energy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. And uh, oh, sorry. Um, so also, as you're saying, the uh, the salt comes from the earth. So it's it's an element uh, from the earth, and um, you know, to live for survival, uh, we need water, air, and salt. And uh, these are the three components we need to live, uh, especially for survival. So salt is is uh, both, uh, you know, uh, spiritually and also for nutritional. Nutritionally, uh, we we need the salt. We can't we can't live uh, without any salt. Mm, right. So do you carry it like in your purse, or how do you use your amulet? Um, so I I have um, I care about that. <laughs> I have. I have salts everywhere in my office. Salts <laughs> <I have laughs> uh, chunks are just everywhere, <laughs> so I'm I'm really protected by all the um, you know I, I I do feel I'm protected by the goddess of the salt. So they're, because they're everywhere at my place, but um, um, I I do have a, a salt amulet uh, in my bag for, mm. for protection. Right. Okay. And just in case you need salt at the restaurant, you can just get a piece of it. Or no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. And then, so where can we buy your products? You're based in uh, Hudson Valley, right? But also you have a shop in Tokyo, Yokohama? No, we don't have a shop, uh, but we do uh, have an online shop. So if you go to our website, glamsalt.com, um, there are various uh, salts that you can purchase. And also, I also sell uh, unusual rock chunks uh, from Mongolia and um, uh, also white, uh, not the pink Himalayan. Uh, I also sell pink, but I also sell the white uh, crystal Himalayan rock salt chunks uh, as well. So if you go to a website, uh, you can you can purchase. And uh, yes, and also for the retail, uh, the... Uh, Japan Premium Beef on Great Great Jones Street in New York. Um, they they carry um, at their store. They carry uh, some of my salts uh, for their meat. Mm, right. So yeah, Japan Premium Beef is amazing place to find wagyu and uh, yes. wagyu themselves. They look like a gem. So it's like a edible jewelry shop. Your salt and uh, their beef. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right. it's, it's it's a perfect. It's the match in heaven. <laughs> It's the perfect combination. <laughs> and, and also on the website, uh, through this is Edible, uh, Edible Magazine's the doorstep market, also have uh, some of my salts there. Mm, right. So uh, do you um, rotate your products so you tr- keep finding new products all the time? Um, I'm always on the search for new salts, but um, over the 10 years, um, I realized that it's not always the 
uh, quantity of the salts you carry. It's also more about the quality of the salts. So I'm always on the search for some unique, unusual salts, but I'm not so much in the rush to find more because to me, like the quality is more important than the quality. So, uh, but um, I'm always open um, for um, new, new salts. Mm, right. And uh, also, well, this is, you know, everybody's talking about the microplastic, but do you have to be careful about, you know, the salt's quality in terms of that contamination by microplastic? Um, many of the salts I carry, um, like the sea salt from Japan, I mean, that comes from, to me, in my opinion, the good sea salt comes from a good uh clean water. So I'm told by the maker uh, in Japan that uh, their seawater is so pure that they can even drink it. Mm. So um, to me, the definition of good sea salt is it, that comes from the clean water. And However, if the, if the, even though it's a sea salt, but if it comes from red to be polluted uh, seawater from the ocean, I don't think it will taste good. And I think to me, it would just taste saltier. Mm. Um, than others right so tasting is everything you can yes. tell the quality right okay so uh what are your plans and dreams um i hope to just continue to expand my business and i i hope that um, i hope to introduce the wonders and beauty of, of souls to as many people as possible Mm, right. It's very consistent with your therapy work too. So yes, in a way, I was thinking they're they're similar and they're connected because I'm I uh, it's it's all about bringing, you know, sense of wonders and happiness and surprises uh, in your life, and that's mm. what, but uh, it's I think it's very similar to the idea about therapy as well, and um, so it's it's about happiness. Right. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that was not the coincidence that you had that Cypress lemon sea salt. Yes. Um, changed your life, right? Yes. Basically, right. Okay, great. So good luck, and uh, where can we find you online and on social media? Yes, yeah, so it's all on the glam salt. So uh, for the um, Instagram, it's the same thing, glam salt. Uh, uh, for my website, it's glamsalt.com. And um, you're welcome to contact me um, if, you're, um, if you have any questions or things like that. I'm, I'm always available to uh, reply uh, to your uh, questions and requests. Mm, awesome. Okay, great. And uh, so, well, keep me posted. We can uh, chat more about more different kinds of salt in the future. Yes, of course. Right. Okay, so thank you so much for joining us today, Makiko. And uh, thank you very, very much for uh, inviting me uh, to, to your show today. Yeah, you're welcome. So listeners, if you have any questions or comments about the show or suggestions for show topics or guests, please contact us at japanneeds at heritagefreedomnetwork.org or akikokatema.com. Japan Needs is a weekly program and always available at heritagefreedomnetwork.org as well as on iTunes, Stitch, and Spotify as a podcast. Engineer today is Amin Spenjan, and thank you for listening. I will see you next week. Japan Needs is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. 
connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a non-profit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thank you for listening.